Hey everybody, this is HT. I wanted to say before we get into the uh, interview with Blake Stark and everything, I wanted to say thank you for everybody for wishing me happy birthday. If you didn't know, my birthday was on October 9th. My wife planned out a big weekend for me. It was family night with uh, me and my wife and my kids. We went out to dinner and hung out with each other. It was great. Saturday night, I had a one-on-one date with my wife. Went to the Galley restaurant in Morro Bay, California. It was awesome. Great menu. They're open right now. Um, it was awesome food. The scallops, I can't talk about them enough. Uh, and then on Sunday, we had a barbecue at my house. Friends came over. We had TVs outside and inside. Being socially distant because of all our pregnant friends, Lindsay and Ashley. We love you. Uh, everybody that came, thank you. I love you. Um, again, thank you for wishing me happy birthday. If you want to get me something for my birthday, just, you know, shoot me a text, you know. But really, seriously, thank you to my wife. Um, she made everything happen. It was awesome. Thank you to my mom, my parents, my mom and dad. They watched the kids so we could have a night away on Saturday. So thanks for everybody that helped. And now it's going to be the ad for Anchor, and then we'll get right back to this thing. Thanks a lot, guys. Hello, everybody. Welcome on back to the Cadillac Ranch. I got a good one for you guys today. I'm sorry I've been gone for a while. Still trying to figure this pause stuff thing out and trying to figure, get it organized i want to get it straight I, I i'm trying to get all my ducks in a row i'm trying to make it more professional get more equipment but i'm glad to be i'm glad to be back a lot of sports have happened tampa bay lightning won the stanley cup screw them baseball's going on who cares lakers won a championship what what so whoop let's go pretty excited very happy for the LA Lakers and all the fans, especially Sammy Sanchez, Stephen Cantrell, all of my Tony Bresca, all my main dogs that love the Lakers more than I do. I'm happy for you guys. Awesome. Um, football's going great. My Raiders beat the Chiefs, the gosh darn Chiefs. And uh, we'll talk about a little bit with the Raiders with my next guest and I'll just jump right into it it was a great interview I had so much fun it's my cousin Blake uh he is a he's starting in a business of cannabis from three four years ago when ground up he uh he's a part of a big uh uh group in Vegas um, we're going to talk about his experiences in the cannabis, cannabis industry, how it's growing, how it's going to affect more people, and the fact that it's just it's the new normal in uh, drugs and alcohol types umbrella, if you may. Um, and we talk about other things, about sports and everything, him living in Vegas. Uh, I need to stop saying in everything. Anyways, uh, it was a great conversation. I had so much fun with him. Uh, very informative. Good laughs. Yeah, um, and I'll just get right to it. Uh, my cousin, Blake Stark. All right, everybody, welcome on back to the Cadillac Ranch. I got uh, somebody very important to me, my favorite, favorite cousin, Blake Stark. I don't care what anybody else says. Blake and Taylor already know. Uh, Blake. He, this is Blake Taylor. What did I say? Did I say Blake and Taylor already know? Yeah. Uh, I meant Britt and Taylor. Britt. Now, know what? Yeah, I'm keeping this in. For all you guys know, I already did an intro. It failed miserably, so I started over. This is going to be a train wreck from the beginning, so it doesn't even matter. I train wreck all the way through. I mean, come on now. Let's go. Anyway, <laughs> I got my cousin Blake here, Cal Poly Pomona, Bachelor's in Science in Plant Science, Emphasis in Crop Production and Plant Breeding. Uh, he is in the new 
brand new world of cannabis and in the growing uh, building blocks of it to make it bigger than we ever thought it was going to be. So I brought him onto the podcast to talk about that and other things as well, him living in Vegas and so forth. Blake Stark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, HT. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Now after that, um, like <laughs> horrible intro, but I'm okay with it. It's okay. Um, you know, Taylor and Britt, they're just not as cool as me. No, they're not. They're really not. <laughs> and plus, they, they barely text back where you kind of text back, so you get a leg up. <laughs> I text back pretty good. Uh, I, yeah. I text back good. I text back good. <laughs> My name Blake. I text phones. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to bring you on just because, like I said, you're my cousin. You're a very interesting person. Um, the uh, field that you are in right now and cannabis is growing beyond, like I said, whatever we thought it was going to be. I mean, it just just in this little amount of town, just in the 2010s, it's grown so much. So um, I kind of want to see how you got into it, uh, starting from Cal Poly Pomona. Um, if anybody cares, he went to Braille Linda High School. He was Mr. Brea, co-Mr. Brea that year. I didn't win. Oh, he didn't win. Lane won. I was runner-up. Because you, you're, you're, Lane is better than you in every facet of life. So, never mind. Uh, Lane, if you're probably not listening, thank you. (laughs) It made you humble. It made you humble. You know, that was a really good time in my life, though. Oh, man. What, senior year in high school for Mr. Brea? It was the peak. It was the peak. (laughs) It's been downhill since. So, going from Cal Poly Pomona, how did you get into the, in the love of actually, like, wanting to be in, not even just in cannabis, like plant science and all that jazz. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I guess where it really comes down to is I just growing up in Orange County, <clears throat> uh, I wasn't really like super connected with the food source, you know, agriculture and stuff like that. It's not super prevalent. It's just tons of town after town after town, you know, all right next to each other in the greater Los Angeles area. Um, And when I was getting into school, uh, kind of in junior college, Mount Sac, um, we went to Mount Sac together. Yeah, we both went to Mount Sac. Mount San Antonio. (laughs) Mount Ballsack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a good (laughs) football team, people. Yeah, we did. Um, Anyways, when I I was living in one of the apartments over there, um, I started growing tomatoes on my porch and... Obviously, I was smoking, smoking up fat at the time. I got a, I got a, a weed plant from a friend and started growing it on the porch and all this stuff. And I was like, dude, this is really cool. And then uh, actually, the, the guy that I picked up from at the time, he was going to school at Cal Poly for plant science. And I was really interested because I was like, wow, I'm growing this tomato and it started from a tiny little plant and now I have all these fruit on it that I can actually eat. And then my weed plant that I had, I'm like, wow, now I have all these, this weed I can smoke. And it just started from a plant. And I was just, it just kind of threw me off. Cause like I said, I wasn't around agriculture growing up. And uh, so it just, kind of helped me to realize like, well, where does our food come from? It doesn't come from a grocery store. It doesn't, just I mean I guess it does literally grow on a tree so a lot of it you know but there's a lot of effort and time and inputs that go into that so I just wanted to know more about that so I was talking to my buddy that was doing plant science and he was telling me about everything he's learning about and I was like well this is really cool and I asked him if I could help out in his garden and stuff like that and I was helping out with him and then uh from there kind of just was, I was like, you know what? I, I was, I was at Mount Sac. I was like, Oh, I'm going to be an astronaut. I must try to go to whatever. And then I was like, Oh, you know what? <laughs> Definitely not going to actually be an astronaut. So then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to study geology. Cause I like going on hikes. And then, so I started going 
on uh, started studying geology, took a couple of geology classes. It was really cool, um, but it wasn't really fully my cup of tea. Um, and then, like I said, I was talking to my friend about plant science and I was like, dude, that's awesome. It has to do with nature. It has to do with living things. You know, there's a lot of biological interactions that go on with that. I like science, you know, and so I took a plant propagation class at Mount Sac and I was like, yep, this is what I want to do. And then just kind of kept rolling with it and then eventually transferred over to Cal Poly and, you know, just from there, just really embraced it and really studied hard in all the classes and tried doing as much extracurricular stuff within the plant science department that I could. So I got like a lot of hands-on experience working on the farm, working in the greenhouse, working in a plant breeding lab, um, that kind of stuff. And, you know, it just, it, that made it really easy for me to understand plant science from a scientific perspective, because I was working with it every day and having to understand why the plants are doing what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I got into plant science, you know, it's, that's, that's why. So going from that, um, I remember, I remember uh, when I was living down there, you were starting to get into like, talk, like thinking of, uh, you were at Mount Sac and you were thinking about the geology, you were hiking a lot. So you were all about that. And then when I moved back home, I remember you like started planning a little bit and you start like, and I saw it igniting you. And I remember you're like every week an hour I'd talk to you or something. You're like, well, I'm doing this for my school. I'm doing this for, I'm ahead of this. So just a lot of hard work. So I'm, I'm very happy for what you have done. I, I do want to, I want you to say how you got your job for where you work at now, because I think it's very organic. Um, how no pun intended. <laughs> um <laughs> on how you got the job and everything and uh then we're going to go on through there and um how you got you to vegas and then for okay talk about oh, it I, oh yeah <laughs> you're live you're in your life like I, I i i didn't stop recording okay all right all right, all right. so hey, every no everybody if you want to know what just happened my cousin i asked him a question like a legit question and he just stares at me he just stares. I mean, he doesn't all right, say anything. All right. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll now, go. I thought, okay, I thought you were gonna like. I thought you were gonna narrow down the question or something. No. Well, how did you get? How did you? I know that was okay, broad. All right. All right. All right. I'll, I'll go. Like I said, it's relaxed. It's the I Wednesday night. Half, we have right a cocktail. Now. He's drinking Hennessy. I got some bullet. We're having some fun. <laughs> Yippee da do. All right. So. When I was going through my classes at Cal Poly, um, I started getting more involved with the school, with the clubs and everything. Um, and I first got into the plant breeding lab and I started, I was working at the actual plant breeding lab and we were breeding a lot of lettuce. Um, and I really fell in love with the whole breeding aspect. This was after I was at Cal Poly for about two years at this point. Mm -hmm. And then um, just taking a bunch of classes, doing all the labs and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, I really like breeding. And so I tried to get a job at the breeding lab and it's really, really cool. Um, I think the main reason I like it is because you can really like manipulate the phenotypes of a plant, you know, like kind of what expressions it, it's going to make and uh, whether, you know, just Gregor Mendel, you know, like he's like, oh, it's a green pea, it's a purple pea. Um, that kind of stuff is just really cool to me. Um, so I started working in there and I worked in there for the majority of my time at Cal Poly. And when it came to doing my internship, I had the chance of getting this internship where I went to India working on a breeding program. Um, and so I did that and I was in India for three months and that was a whole wild experience. We'll talk um, about that another time because that's awesome. Um, and so that was that was really crazy. Um, and then I came home and after I came back home, I was like, okay, I have a lot of breeding experience. I want to do a little bit of crop production type stuff because at this point I'm thinking like, hey, how can I kind of get this into the cannabis industry and stuff? And uh, so I started working at the greenhouse and I was uh, working with, growing all the tomatoes there in the greenhouse, the lettuce production. Um, I was the head propagator over there. 
and I propagated all the seeds for that we sold in the nursery and stuff like that. Um, while I was working over there, uh, some people came through for a tour of our greenhouse that they were thinking about getting the same type of greenhouse that we have at Cal Poly, which was a Conley's greenhouse. And uh, so I, I don't know where my, my boss even was, but they just walked up and were like, hey, how's it going? I just started chatting it up with them. Um, and then uh, I get, was giving them a tour of the greenhouse, talking about the lettuce, talking about the tomatoes, um, kind of showing them everything, talking to them about certain challenges we're facing, um, kind of what things we've uh, done that have kind of helped improve production and stuff like that. And then so when I was done with the tour, one of the guys uh, gave me his business card and just said, hey, like when you're, I don't know when you're graduating, but when you are just uh, shoot me an email. Um, so I was like, okay, sounds good. And at this point I was six months, less than six months away from graduating. And so I, uh, I, you know, I hit them up and uh, I was hitting up a couple different people. I was hitting up uh, some guys from MedMen, um, which I'm really glad <laughs> I didn't get a job with them. Um, but, uh, I, I just, you know, by finding out, understanding what people were a part of, uh, what at the time, at the time, I didn't know this was what was going to be virtue, but the type of people that are working with them, um, were really awesome people in the industry in terms of breeding and they've been in the game forever, all this stuff. So I was like, okay, that's where I want to go. And so I tried really hard to get that job. Uh, studied super hard for these interviews, all that stuff. And you know what? I, I got the job. And so then they were like, oh, it's in Vegas. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know if I actually want to live in Vegas. I thought it was in California. Um, and then uh, um, I was like, you know what? I get, you got to, if you want to try to move up, you got to take a leap or whatever, you know? So I was like, whatever, I'll just move out to Vegas. And, you know, in two years, I'll move back. You know, I'll just get the experience and go move back to California. And then actually now that I'm here, I realize like Vegas is actually a pretty sweet place to live. You know, there's tons of entertainment, obviously, um, tons of great food. Um, and I think the best part is your friends and family, everyone comes to Vegas. So mm -hmm. I get to still see all my friends and family, even though I'm living away from a lot of them, you know, everyone comes to Vegas at one point or another. So that makes it pretty sweet. You know, I get to see everyone. That's awesome. So uh, jumping on into it, you said virtue for the people that are listening that don't know what virtue is. Uh, how about you tell them about that? So virtue is the, the main company that I, that I work for. Um, we're a craft cannabis brand in Nevada. We, we are all very small batch. We're not like a super huge cultivation. Um, we, we really focus on quality. Um, so our, we work very closely with a breeder. Uh, his name is David Holmes. Uh, and that's, he, his company is Clade Nine. He's, uh, he owns a cultivation or, uh, he owns a cultivation facility in California, but, uh, he also owns a nutrient line and he, he, he does a lot of cannabis breeding. So he owns a lot of genetics as well. Um, the really awesome thing that really made me want to join this team was that he is the protege of someone called, named Mel Frank and Mel Frank had been in the cannabis industry since the sixties and seventies. He wrote a book called the marijuana growers guide. And this was like one of the first books on growing cannabis when it was really taboo, all this stuff. And uh, no one really knew how to grow. He's teaching people how to grow indoors. And so like, he has multiple versions of this book, but like the first version, it's actually really funny to read because it's like, has tons of really weird, weird stuff. But it's like, this is in the early seventies and they're saying, okay, so if you really want to cure your bud really well, you got to dig it, uh, bury it with some oranges that have a little bit of the blue mold on it and bury it in the ground, leave it there for three weeks and then unbury it. <laughs> like it has all these really weird hippie stoner stuff in it. But in the later versions, he takes all this stuff out um, but in the early versions, like, oh, it makes it more potent. But anyways, sorry, that's why <laughs> I wanted to join the team. But uh, so no, he what, was creative. Yeah, that's the creative place it, to be. Yeah, he was really creative, and so he was working with 
uh, I don't know if you, I'm pretty sure a lot of people know Sam the Skunk Man. He was really closely tied with Sam the Skunk Man. And Sam the Skunk Man is one of the most renowned breeders of cannabis in the world. And basically him and Sam the Skunk Man, they, they work together a lot. Um, Mel Frank is the breeder of Afghani One, Durban Poison, all these staple strains that are basically the mother stock of all the strains that we have today, him and Sam the Skunk Man. And so um, one cool thing about, about Mel Frank is that he, he worked with the uh, University of Mississippi in the, I think it was the early 80s, and he actually did research with the FBI in the University of Mississippi and in exchange for um, giving them some of his seed lines, they provided him with re, uh, information on cannabinoids and terpenes. This was way in the 80s. So he had this huge advantage. He knew about cannabinoids and terpenes way before anyone else did. And so he was breeding for those things. And so a lot of Dave's genetics from clay nine uh, are derived from a lot of the seed stocks that he got from Mel Frank, which are really old school heirloom strains um so he's able to do a lot with those those genetics and so our genetics that we have at virtue are really really awesome and so that was one of the, that was actually the main reason why i wanted to work uh at virtue and so that was why i studied so hard to pass this these interviews and all that stuff and so yeah now now i'm here i'm the cultivation director over there and uh i just basically managed the entire grow from <clears throat> from the cultivation all the way to the uh, the drying and all that. So, holy shit, that that's crazy! How he got all that information at a time where marijuana was <clears throat> putting people away for a while, not like an easy thing to access, and then he's yeah. getting all this information. That's insane. Yeah, his Instagram is actually really really cool. Uh, his Instagram is melfrank420. Um, and he posts old pictures from that he took in the 70s and 80s where he has these illegal grows in New York in 1985 in upstate. And like, dude, you had to have some serious cojones to be growing outdoors in New York in 1985. And he was doing it. And he has all these pictures of this stuff. He's got original pictures of Afghani one where people are claiming they have Afghani one now, but it's like, it's nowhere near what the real Afghani one was, you know? And uh, one of the really cool things too is, uh, so when Sam the Skunk Man in the 70s, he he took all his seeds and everything, a lot of Dave's seeds as well, or not Dave's, Mel's seeds, and they he went to Amsterdam and started uh, the Amsterdam, I believe it's called the Amsterdam Seed Company. It's the original cannabis seed company. And so he like was one of the first people selling cannabis seeds and with every single pack of seeds that he sold, he always gave them a pack of skunk number one. And he's the breeder of skunk number one, which everyone knows what skunk number one is. And um, it's just really cool that I, I, I'm working, maybe not directly with these guys who are just straight up legends, but I'm working in, within the line uh, that of work that they worked in, you know, and with the same people that they work with. So it's really cool. And no, you uh, wanted to be a lot of to work with the best. Yeah. I, 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 I'm just really honored to work with Dave and clay nine and, you know, Mel and all those things. So, so I, I just want to give you um, for some people that don't know a little bit, like what we're talking about a little bit, can you give a little bit, maybe just a cheap, we're in kindergarten brief, like what is terpenes, cannabinoids? You don't have to go in scientific, but like, what do you mean by that? It's not easy. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> know right, it's so, not. That's why, but like you're, you're throwing these right. words around and I, I know some people are lost. Okay. So there's inside of cannabis, there's the resin glands, right? The resin glands, which are the trichomes. <laughs> I'm still using using hard words. Okay, the the frostiness. <laughs> okay, you know when you look at the bud and you see the frost. Okay, those are trichomes. Within those trichomes, the the trichomes are made of resin, plant resins. Um, within those, there's chemicals that the plant cre that the plant is creating, and inside of those is 
is the shit that gets you high. THC is in there. THC is a cannabinoid. Um, what are some other cannabinoids? There's CBD, there's CBN, there's CBG. There's a lot of different cannabinoids and they all kind of have slightly different effects. THC is the one that gets you high. CBD, not only does it not get you high, but it actually can counteract the THC. So if you actually take a dab of something that's 99.9% .9 THC and you just take a dab of it and you're stoned out of your mind, you're having a panic attack, you're freaking out or whatever, you take a dab of pure CBD and it will like completely level you out and you'll literally like stop freaking out. Huh. So it's really cool because uh, you can- It, it, it dilutes it, basically. It, it doesn't dilute it, I would say. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess it dilutes it, but it, it more like counteracts it, you know, okay. it like undoes it, you know, like you're really stoned from the THC and then you smoke some CBD and it like undoes it, you know? Um, so it's really cool because a lot of people don't like, there's a lot of potential to create strains and genetics that, that, anyone can enjoy you know a lot of people they're like oh i don't like weed because it gives me panic attacks or like i get really paranoid or uh whatever but it, it's because they've been smoking this type of weed that has been bred forever indoors and whatever to be a drug you know to get you high so everyone only really knows if you're buying something off the street, you're not going to buy some CBD weed off the street, you know? Right. So everyone's buying the type of weed that gets you high, you know? And so then someone tries weed for the first time and their body is just not meant to really smoke this type of full on lopsided genetics that is only, only has THC in it, you know, and they, their body reacts differently than yours or mine when we, when we smoke it, you know? Um, so that's, that's one of the things that's really cool because you think about like, oh, uh, a wine shop or something, right? And, uh, you're, there could be a lot of different grades of cannabis there that like, oh, this one is going to get you super high and, and really stony. This one's going to be kind of more of a mellow high. It's more of a three, three to one THC to CBD ratio. This other one's just going to kind of get you in a good feel mood. It's like a one-to-one -one uh ratio and this one's just pure cbd you know and you can get a different effect from all of those um but you asked me about terpenes as well and terpenes have enough have a play in the effect of how cannabis works as well um so terpenes they're also inside of the trichomes uh those are volatile organic compounds that are produced by the plant and that's what gives the the weed its smell and everything um there's there's terpenes and everything it, it has flavor to it it has smell to it that's what's in fruits and your vegetables um there's there's terpenes and blueberries like when you smell or like in in oranges limonene you know lemons there's limonene in it that's a terpene that's what gives the the lemon its lemon smell you smoke a strain that had that a, a tangy strain it has tons of limonene in it that's why you smell and you're like holy shit it literally smells like oranges you know oh, okay um so yeah and but those terpenes will actually drive the high one way or another so it can make it so they can slightly make it so uh certain terpenes like terpenoline uh that one is going to give you a more uh, energetic high uh different ones like myrcene is going to give you more of a couch lock high so it's not just the THC that does it, you know, it's the terpenes as well. It's called the entourage effect is what everyone in the industry calls it. It's how all these terpenes, cannabinoids working together actually result in the end high. Uh, you said craft, uh, craft cannabis a couple times. Can you give me a, uh, a different, what's, what's the opposite of craft cannabis? The opposite of craft cannabis? I mean, like what's, I get like craft cocktails, craft beer, special mm -hmm. it's you know so it's, it's, it's like yes. is, that, is that like the good whiskey compared to like you get cheap it's cheap towards light exactly exactly so uh i just imagine in the in the industry there's going to become a very prominent craft cannabis industry there's people who want to smoke 
uh, really high quality cannabis, you know, and there's also people that just want to smoke the, the bud light of cannabis, you know, um, you know, it's, it's cheaper. That's what they want it for. It's the kind of their daily driver smoke, you know, but then on the weekends when you're with your buddies, you want to go pick up something that smells really strong. It has an actual taste to it, mm-hmm. you know, um, all of that stuff. And that, a lot of that comes down to the genetics. It comes down to the way it's grown, all of that stuff. So like, for example, at Virtue, we focus really highly on the uh, the genetics and we smoke, we've focused really highly on how it's actually grown. The, the, our facility isn't too massive. So I can literally walk up and down every single row every single day and look at all of the plants on a daily basis just to make sure they're getting everything they need, make sure they're all getting their water, make sure there's not any pest problems, um, all that stuff. You can control it where like who's coming in and out of your garden, where your plants are from. Uh, you're not going to be bringing a bunch of bugs and stuff, which is going to end up resulting in you spraying a bunch of pesticides, uh, which obviously is going to lower the quality of the cannabis and stuff like that. So being able to smoke something that's a craft, like a craft version of it, you know, is, is definitely going to become a huge demand for a lot of consumers. Um, but I guess the, 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 mainstream cannabis, you know, the Bud Light is just going to be the stuff that comes from the massive greenhouses or uh, massive outdoor operations and stuff like that, that are just, they're out there creating biomass, you know, they just want to get as much weed as possible, sell it for as cheap as possible and make as much money as they can, you know, whereas within a craft brand, there's going to be a lot of care and time put into the actual growing of the plant. So. Going back a couple of years, we uh, in like 2000s, I think uh, 17 or 18 when I came um, during the summer, came to visit you for a week. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights were there for a playoff game. We went to the strip. Stupid things happened there. Uh, but you took me to you. Took you don't want to talk about that? No, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, I just totally like saw myself. And I'm just like, anyways, but you took me, you let me go to, to your, uh, to your building where you're going on. Um, how many rooms is it? How many plants do you have at a time? I mean, it was crazy to see and know that there's more than that out there. mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing is we're, we're a very small facility in terms of, uh, commercial cannabis production, you know? Um, so we're, we have a total of five flowering rooms. There's one bedroom, one mom room, and one clone room. And uh, the flowering rooms is where all the magic happens. That's where the plants are going through their flowering stage. They're creating the actual buds that we harvest and smoke. Um, but there's also very other important stages within the plant cycle. Um, so the it, we, first the plant goes through veg which is in a, a longer daylight photo period and then when we flip into flower it's on a it's on a more it's on a 12 hour on 12 hour off light cycle and that's what actually causes the plant to go into flower and produce the buds so um uh i guess where i was going with this is uh our our facility is a lot smaller than a lot of these other facilities so we have about a about 5,000 square feet of canopy. There's cultivations here in Vegas and up in the Reno area that indoor, actually they're indoor facilities that have closer to 70, 80,000 square feet of canopy. And I I think there's uh, actually even a a couple greenhouses um, that have even more than that. And so as obviously as you scale up more and more, you're going to see a huge drop off in the actual quality of your product because how are you going to harvest all of this stuff and actually take the care to make sure it's dried properly? Um, how are you going to trim it all? Are you going to spend the extra money to have it all trim, hand trimmed so that the integrity of the flower is maintained and you're not go, throwing it through a machine that's going to scrape off half of the trichomes and stuff like that. They're not going to do that because it's just going to cost so much money and they're, they're about producing biomass and producing as much flour as possible. So there's just a a huge difference. And what we've seen, especially this year, um, 
I think a lot of it has to do with COVID and everything is I, a lot of people started smoking this year. I feel like they're at home, they're chilling at home. They're like, dude, you know what? I'm going to get high and watch the office or whatever, you know, yeah, totally. And a lot of people were smoking and there became a, a huge, huge demand for high quality indoor flower. And actually the prices of high quality indoor flower skyrocketed this year. And we virtue is like constantly sold out, like on a, we're, we're, everything is sold before it's even harvested. It's, it's crazy. And us being that very small facility, we are able to kind of play that supply and demand game. And so we sell our flower at higher prices than anyone else in the Nevada market. So, Holy shit. Um, because we just have that really high quality flower and we take so much pride in it. We're not applying any pesticides, any of that stuff. So, um, I wouldn't know personally, you know, I wouldn't know if it's, Oh, you never not. smoked it. No, no, I haven't. Never. Yeah, have. no, yeah it, it's good. It's good stuff. If you're ever in Vegas. <laughs> No, but we we take a lot of a lot of care not to let in any any bugs or anything because we don't want to have to apply pesticides. So like, remember what you had to do when you came in? What did yep. you have to do? I, I had a I had to put on take off my shoes. I had to spray uh, like spray down, and this would be pre COVID too. So it's probably more than that now. <laughs> I have a funny story about that. Do you want me to keep yeah, going? No, for yeah, keep going for now. I'll tell it after. Okay, so like. Uh, like I remember I, I like take off my shoes I'd wear something like we had to put on like booties and then he tried to give me like a schmedium like moccasin you know, like you know overall coveralls and I looked like Chris Farley doing fat guy in a little coat and then I got another one <laughs> and I got another one and uh yeah so it was like you know, hair nut glasses um everything oh beard I had a hair net on my beard everything it's like you're going into a surgical yeah a surgical room everything we wanted to just make sure we're not bringing anything in because for all we know if we bring someone in on a tour or something we don't know where that person has been if they even if i mean it's not even just people we bring in on a tour it's every single person in the facility does this on a daily basis before they come in and that's because if they walked across the lawn to get to their car you know there could be some bugs in the lawn you know that's on their shoes or whatever um they could have on their way out the house or like looking at a rose plant and they're just rubbing it like what is that oh and they don't know what it is but actually it's powdery mildew or something they're like well whatever i don't know what that is and then they walk into the building and then next thing you know we have powdery mildew all over the building so we have to be uh very cautious of those kinds of things so we make everyone spray down with alcohol but anyways the funny story i was going to tell you was uh that one time we had this electrical contractor come in, uh, we had, we we're having some issues with something. And uh, <laughs> this was like when COVID first started, like probably in April. And I'm like, oh, you got to spray down, you know? And he's like, this goddamn democratic plague just needs to end. And I'm just like, holy shit. I'm like, he thinks that he's spraying down because of COVID, but like, really we just do this every day. And he literally sprayed it like on his head on his face just spraying alcohol i'm like dude you don't have to like we just need you to spray your shoes man <laughs> like but it was just so funny he sprayed it all over himself like his whole body i was like well i'm not gonna stop you like it's kind of entertaining <laughs> so democratic <laughs> plague but yeah it's just it was funny dude i'm just like dude that's crazy oh, but man. it was just it was just funny but um yeah Anyways, that's that's the whole thing. But I mean, on the opposite end of that spectrum, I'm I'm working on this uh, outdoor project that's in. Uh, I was just gonna bring that. No, yeah, it, it's in. Uh, it's up in northern Nevada, kind of outside of the Reno area, um, and it's about a five acre outdoor. And you know, it's complete opposite spectrum. Like I was saying, it's we try to obviously we take as much good care of it as we can, but at the same time, it's this outdoor. You know. Um, there's literally process. There's birds coming by, you know, and birds fly and poop, you know, it just, it happens. It's natural. It's nature, you know, and um, we, we try to mitigate that as much as we can, but you know, it, it does happen. And uh, so all of that stuff has to go through testing and everything. It has to pass biological and fungal testing and everything. And what passes passes, what doesn't pass, doesn't pass you know and what doesn't pass goes through goes to extraction what does pass um put it in pre-rolls or whatever but 
you're just not going to get the same quality of product that you get from a controlled indoor environment in my perspective. And that's one of the things about craft cannabis is there's obviously going to be different ranges of craft cannabis. There could be small outdoor 100% permaculture farms that uh, it can be portrayed as a craft brand to the consumer. It's kind of more what, the, what is the consumer going to portray as craft cannabis? You know, um, this one is like, fairly large you know five acres is pretty big um so it's not quite as much of a, a craft cannabis uh brand but it it uh it's just one of those things that the consumers need to become more educated about and uh understand where their cannabis is coming instead of just being like well this is fire every time they see weed because that's just what they think they're supposed to say you know like what I dream of is that people are going to actually get their their nug of weed and analyze it, break it apart, smell it first. It's like when you sip in a glass of whiskey, that's a really good glass of whiskey. You kind of smell it first or wine, you know, you smell it first. You're going to do it. You're going to slowly sip it. You're going to drink it out of a clean glass. You're not going to drink it out of a completely resonated bong that has water in it that's been sitting right. in there for like three months. You know, you want to drink it out. You want to smoke it out of a, a clean bong so you can actually taste it and you can like a good cigar smoke these different exactly you smoke these different kinds of strains you taste the difference on them you can actually observe the differences in your high um but everyone's just been smoking for so long just for the sole fact of getting high they're not actually enjoying the whole experience so that's one thing that i dream of and i i really look forward to as the cannabis industry evolves and matures more is that we're going to see this uh, demand for high quality craft cannabis as opposed to just mass produced weed, you know? What, how far do you think, I'm going to say this and then we'll, we'll get to some Vegas questions I have and stuff. Um, oh, what? I, I forgot about something. About what? When I, <laughs> when I, when I started working on that, that farm, uh -huh. The outdoor farm. I, I had to get something. What? I had to go to boot barn. You went to boot barn. I had to get some boots. You got some boots at the boot barn. I got some boots at the boot barn. So you gotta see when you got you got you you gotta need to know when you know when you when you're a good guy and you 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 a country guy. You gotta go to boot barn. Get, <laughs> get their last little bar. skate snakeskin double twin tips. <laughs> you know what I mean. So no, I just got a regular pair of work boots, though. Not, when no when we lived in San Dimas uh, together back in the day in 2000, freaking eight, nine, eight, so nine, long yeah. ago, uh, we drove by a boot barn every day. So every, they're like, I'm like, oh, we got to go to the boot barn and get ourselves some boots. And they're like, <laughs> why are you talking like that? I'm like, talking like what? <laughs> so for every time we see a natural boot, have natural just like coming out I, i'll be talking californian and all of a sudden oh we gotta go boot bar gotta go boot bar gotta go to the boot bar and get ourselves some double twin tip boots snake skin cow hide you know what i mean we got it all that's just chaps sorry it comes out of me sometimes too <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry what were you saying before you totally it? reversed and started yep, talking yep, about yep, boot bar? Yep. I was just like, huh? <laughs> I said something about, I thought you like, you met a famous like Vegas player, like somebody from the Raiders or the Knights. And No, I did take a picture with Lloyd Banks though. Oh, what's up? How did that happen? He came through to tour Virtue. What? Mm-hmm. Did you holler I was like, it, like a real one? I was like, I was like, hey, did you roll up in a, a Bentley? A Benz or like, how's the song go? A, a Benz, a Bentley, Beamer, Benz, and a Bentley. I was like, which one? What did you roll up in? I, I would, I would have said exactly what Fifty Cent when you said what to said. He said, if you if you're real, you holler G Unit, and that's what I would have done. I would holler G Unit, <laughs> G Unit, like a real one. No, I took you a picture. Probably it's on my IG. It's on my IG. That's what's up. <laughs> Uh, I had another question, but you totally just you were talking to me about Vegas. You wanted no, to I was start gonna say I had something and then I was gonna talk about Vegas before Vegas, yeah. Oh, okay, no, now I know. Okay, are we gonna get to a place where, like, oh, I go to a 7 Eleven 
hey, can you, I need to put 20 in the tank. Can you give me a six pack of joints. Are we ever going to get there? Is that a thing? Mm, I don't you, think so. You guys in the industry? I maybe very, very long from now. It might. But I think, I think what's going to happen, I don't think it's going to get federally. I think in order for that to happen, it would have to become federally regulated. Right. You know, which and is going to be I don't someday. think I don't think it's going to be federally regulated. I think really? they're going to federally legalize it. I think they're going to federally uh, regal, legalize it, but they're going to leave all the regulations up to the state. To each state. And so each state's going to have their own rules or whatever. There's still probably going to be states that, like that? More, aren't going to legalize it. Yeah, it's like dry counties, you know, right. like kind of how they do that. Okay. I think it's probably going to be very similar thing to that. Um but I mean, I really don't know. But part of the reason why I don't think it's going to be like that is because I think government institutions and stuff like that, they, they see how much money they can make in it. And so they want to keep it as regulated as possible so they can keep making as much money on it as possible. They're trying to tax the living crap out of it, all this stuff, which I don't really agree with as to the scale that they're doing it because what they're doing is they're actually taking people's medicine and upcharging it so much, you know, where it can't even be a prescription type thing that your insurance covers when you literally need this to stop having seizures every single day. Right. And you're stuck paying $60 an eighth at the dispensary <clears throat> paying 30 of it is just taxes. It's not even for the actual weed itself, you know, and it's, it's kind of messed up, but you know, I, I think we're going to get eventually get to a point where we're past that once it's federally uh, legalized and stuff and people will be uh, insurance companies will actually honor those types of uh, medicine and they get more actual uh, medical research on it and stuff like that. But I think that's still quite a ways away, at least like another 10 years away, to be honest. Well, federally legalized, I don't know, it could happen in the next four years. Um, talking about Vegas for you, um, you can't talk for California or talking about Nevada. You can't talk for California because you don't probably know. And I don't either. Is there anything that, uh, since voting is coming up, is there anything that you want to say to, uh, cause you're going to be telling everybody to listen to this podcast in Nevada so they can bump up my ratings. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But if you have anything to say to them about anything, prop anything for weed is there anything or that there isn't any not there's nothing on the ballot this year we okay. we did that all in 2016 okay that's what i thought um there was a question on there and it's kind of weird how it all happened because it was like oh we're gonna charge we're gonna charge taxes and it's gonna go to schools and then so everyone voted for it. they're like yeah we should put more money to schools because nevada schools are horrible shit. i heard yeah yeah they're just literal shit um and i mean no i mean sorry no they're not good they're not, they're I, not I mean, good it's it's in i've the, talked it's to in people that worked now. in the industry down there and they're like it's, it's like 40 good. i think it's like 46 47th in the nation on like the worst yeah schools. they have like a c rating which state is like not schools, good yeah yeah it's 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 not the best. So everyone's like, yeah, we need more money put into the schools. And then when it actually came out, they, I don't know, government does things, you know, where they just screw everything up and get greedy with it. And then all of the money went goes. It doesn't go to the schools anymore. It goes into a rainy day fund. Which yeah. like, what the hell is a rainy day fund? Like, it sounds like something that's really easy to keep scraping off the top of. You know? Yeah, exactly. So. And now apparently they used the rainy day fund for uh, COVID stuff. So, I mean, I guess maybe it did um, yeah, help kind of works, do I some guess. unemployment and stuff like that. You know, they used it for that. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there was a little bit of scraping off the top before before it got there, you know. Right. So, anyways. How, how is Vegas politics. right now? I don't want to talk about politics. <laughs> how is Vegas right now? Vegas is uh, popping. Right is now. it really? It's popping like uh, <clears throat> so. A couple months ago, when all COVID happened, it was crazy because it was dead. It was just ghost town. It was actually really, really cool because all of the locals 
were just taking their bikes, driving them down to the strip, and everyone was just riding their bikes up and down the strip. It was cool. Everyone was just like, the CVSs are still open on the strip, and so right. everyone just go in, get their White Claws or Modelo Tall Boys or whatever, and just roll down the strip, just drinking beers on their bikes and stuff. It was it was a lot of fun, and we actually went and did that a couple of times. Just We didn't have our bikes, but we were just walking up and down the strip, and it's crazy because there's uh, – kids on like BMX bikes on skateboards, you know, like just going around riding on stuff like on the strip. Like you think about the strip, it's packed with people. There's no way kids on skateboards and bikers are going around doing tricks all over the place. And it was so dead that there's people literally doing that. And uh, where everyone was riding their bikes was just literally on the actual street. Cause it's like, there was not even any cars or taxis or anything going around. So that was actually really cool to experience um now that we've been opening back up and everything um it's pretty it's pretty crowded again you know and especially like you go around like in downtown like fremont street where there's all the performers and stuff like there used to be some pretty big crowds and stuff out there just like watching the street performers and you're like whoa dude that's in vegas like i don't know i don't know what to think (laughs) right i I don't want to think about it (laughs) so i i need you as a very positive pro dominating Raider podcast. Tell the people how it's like to be a mother trucking oh. Raider fan right now in Vegas. Okay. So the first home Raiders game was awesome. There was just a euphoric mood across the entire city. Like there was people just walking around in Raiders jerseys, like on the streets everywhere and like they're just like you could just see it and the way everyone's walking they're just like so stoked that like the raiders are here i mean vegas in general is just like i feel like vegas in general has been deprived of having a sports team for so long that when the golden knights came everyone just was like hell yeah i'm a knights fan now like let's do this we got a team i don't know anything about hockey but i'm a knights fan now right. you know and there's tons of John, you know, John, he's always talking shit on Raiders or on uh, the Knights fans because they're all just noob hockey fans and stuff like that. <laughs> they don't know anything. But Shut up, you know Jim Phillips. Yeah. But you know <laughs> what is there? I think that they have really great heart because they're like, this is our first professional sports team. Like, fuck, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Knights fan. And now we got the Raiders and just – the mood on everywhere is just crazy. Like I was saying on that day, um, it was just crazy, dude. And then we beat the fucking Chiefs last weekend. Let's go. I was just like, what is going on? I turned on, I turned it on, and I'm like, holy crap, it's 24 to 24. <laughs> like, hell yeah, Raiders. And then like, oh, man, it was crazy. And then like, uh, but at the, over by the stadium, there's just been like huge crowds of people, people just stopping their cars on the bridges and stuff just to like take pictures of the stadium, I guess. I don't know. I'm like, dude, you're on a fucking bridge. Like you can't <laughs> stop and get out of your car. Like what the hell? But yeah, the, the, the excitement is, is very real here. And you can actually tell there's a lot of out of town people coming to watch the Raiders uh, even though you can't even go to the actual game, right. they're just there's bars open and stuff everywhere. So it's like people are just going to bars and watching the games and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. It's really really good feeling. And I think next up we're getting an NBA team too. Yeah, that's what that's what I've heard. I think you're gonna get all four. I think you're gonna get a baseball team too. It already does well with the uh, <clears throat> the uh, semi pro team that you have out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually get participation even with the weather you have out there so if they Mm -hmm. were smart and made an indoor one or something yeah made it work where you can actually be in that heat kind of like uh the diamondbacks it could be the next sports capital of our nation and as being a diehard and vegas born if you know what i mean like it's very it's very interesting to be like in this fan base I think it's, uh, I just think it's really cool because like I said, this, this city has been waiting for that. And I, I don't, I don't even know the logistics behind it. I think it has to do with the fact that there's so much betting in, in Nevada. That's that, all it was. Why? It took so long because the betting was, um, such a, a, a taboo in sport. But 
You know why I think that the Vegas teams are going to have such a huge advantage, and I think that all of the Vegas teams, whatever teams come here, they're just going to fucking dominate. No, I, I and, don't know. The, the fact that you haven't heard it, that the first year that uh, the Knights were playing, mm-hmm. they were calling it the Vegas flu. Because guys would come here, and they would just have at it at the bars the night before, and they mm-hmm. were party, and then they come, and they had the Vegas flu. They were, play- they were playing around in Vegas where the people th- that play on Vegas were like, this is our life. We don't need to go out every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they, they were taking advantage of it, and it's still an advantage. Yeah. So um, I think one of the reasons why they're going to do so great, though, is because everyone – it doesn't matter – what team you're a fan of everyone's going to make an excuse to come to vegas party for the weekend and watch their team play no that's the whole thing they're like i'm i i just i'm gonna i'm a huge broncos fan and they're playing in vegas next week against the raiders like i'm going to vegas i'm gonna spend my money i'm gonna go to the game i'm gonna buy a shitload of beers i'm gonna do whatever so i just all of these sports arenas are just going to take so much money and they're just going to get so much money that they're going to be able to put back into the teams that we're just going to have tons of money. We're just going to fucking win everything. Wait, you know what you could potentially do in a non-COVID time? Hmm. In October, you can legit, hey, I'm going to fly in to, to Vegas on Friday. I want to go see Blue Man Group. Go to the clubs. The next day, maybe have a little brunch go see the Golden Knights play, fall mm-hmm. asleep, wake up, and go see a Vegas Raider game. Dude. Like, that is a legit possibility. You leave on Monday, and you just spent the best weekend of your life. Exactly. Exactly. That's how – be crazy. Yeah. And we haven't experienced that for obvious reasons, but, mm-hmm. hey. Hey, we're here now. It's great. I, I love that all the sports are back. I love that – uh Vegas sports are doing well. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights pick up uh, Alex uh, Petriangelo. I probably butchered that, but I don't know. <laughs> he's a fucking stud from St. Louis. He's a defenseman. He won us. He won us. Uh, Poor Schmidt, huh? Oh, he was my favorite. <laughs> he really was. Stasny was getting old. I was like, and he he went back to his home team. <laughs> so he's fine. But Schmidty. I was yeah. really sad. <laughs> and for like a fourth round pick, and he's worth more than a fourth round pick. I don't even actually know why it's sad. I just saw a meme that I was just, like, it's like, poor Schmidt. And I was like, well, he was like, he, he was like, an, he was an assistant. He had an A, I think. Oh. And like, he was like, well liked. He was a, a locker yeah. room guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, it's a good locker room guy, huh? Yeah. But like the guy they brought in, he won a Stanley Cup already with St. Louis. Uh, he had like 60 points last year, 50 points last year, something like that. Like mm-hmm. solid 30 years old, seven year deal. <laughs> I mean, oh, hey. 60, 66 mil. Not bad for hockey, bro. Dude, that's, that's one of the higher ones, isn't it? Yeah. It's gotta be. It, from everything I was looking on on Twitter, shout out NRD at NRD. He's a NHL rumors daily. He was all on it on Twitter. And uh, I was listening to him and everything. They're basically like raised the price before anybody said anything. Cause he didn't, they didn't even want him to get back on the plane. So they're like, ah, just a couple other million. Just, just, just so don't leave. Damn. <laughs> yeah. They didn't want That's him how to you leave. negotiate. dude. Yeah. <laughs> But it's going to be interesting, definitely with Mark Andre Fleury and Leonard. Mm-hmm. It's like that. Uh, the flowers not leaving. No, he's so, he said he's not, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that's a good one for now. I think that you're going to be a crowd favorite. I hope. I hope so. And then we can. If you're listening again. to this, you better click the like button. Oh yeah, you you <laughs> click that like. I don't know if you do that. Subscribe. Tell your yeah, friends, follow. Like I mm-hmm. said, Blake is gonna tell everybody in Nevada. I'm gonna I'm gonna shout from the top of Red Rock Mountain. Red Rock Mountain? How high is Red Rock Mountain? It's not that high. <laughs> Mount Charleston is higher. 
But Red Rocks is like where everyone goes. You know, oh, like okay, okay. Like it's not Red Rock isn't a mountain; it's like a canyon. Okay, so like anybody at any level can go there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. everybody will like it. You can go. <laughs> yeah, I hate. I hate it. I know you hate it. I we know. can just drive through. There, there was a rumor. I'm just gonna say a rumor. There was a rumor that. Uh, my cousin Blake here for his bachelor party. He was going to do like a 10 mile hike. And I said, uh, 25. Yeah. And I said, fuck that. Have fun guys. I'll meet you at the end. It's over like four days or something. Yeah. Not doing it. Still not doing it. <laughs> I told Britt, I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll spend canoeing? a couple days in Vegas first. What if we did canoeing. Couldn't, can you see, I can float, but I can't swim. Yeah. That's what you do in a canoe. You float. You float. No, not when I'm in the water upside down. And you guys are laughing that the fat one can't swim. And all of a sudden, I'm 800 yards away. And you're like, oh, it's not a bit. He's not like, doing oh, a bit. Memories. memories. Yeah. When HD died. <laughs> when he floated away. We, didn't we thought it was a good idea to do canoeing as a joke. <laughs> no, so the whole plan is what I ideally, what I want to do is, well, fucking... Do uh, a couple days, uh, you know, hiking, camping, and nope. then we'll do one one day. We're going to go on a boat on Lake Mead and fucking party on a boat. Okay, I'll meet you at Lake Mead. Beat around, and then we're going to come back, and then we're going to hit the strip at night. Okay, I'll meet you at Lake Mead. Okay. Okay. Right. Perfect. <laughs> I'm just saying, I will just hold you guys back. You know, I don't think anyone cares about this. Yeah, no everybody cares. cares. They're gonna like, seem to like oh, they don't like they're gonna they're gonna hear twenty five miles and they're gonna be like that badass. No, that's what they're gonna <laughs> say. Like I know HD. <laughs> like even even people he's like he sounds like a guy that can't go up a hill. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, Blake Stark. Um, do you want to shout out anything? Do you have anything going on? Do you want to just do your Instagram or do you just want me to tag you in them? Um, no. Oh, Motivated wow. cultivator. <laughs> That's my Instagram. <laughs> if you want to follow, go ahead. I post a lot of weed pics. Oh, and then I'll put, uh, I'll tag virtue on stuff. So the, I mean, the gross sessions are, everything that they show is awesome it's very interesting and the fact that it is the future um even if you're not a big proponent of it take a look it's actually a lot better and then just uh like he said just getting high making it to a drug it's more of a medication it's it's, awesome. it's a lot different now there's if you are someone who doesn't like cannabis because it you had a bad experience you got too high or whatever just take a trip to a dispensary and ask for something that has some CBD, some THC and CBD in it and try smoking that or eat a gummy with a one-to-one ratio, something like that. And I guarantee you're going to have an experience that's way better and you will enjoy it. It's, I know a lot of people that don't like weed and then I'm like, here, try this instead. And they're like, whoa, this is awesome. And now they do it every day. I mean, not, I mean, not like they're addicted to it, but you know, <laughs> Tips from Blake Stark, motivated cultivator. Uh, we'll talk. You're you're coming back on because you're an asshole. Coming back on. You'll come back on the podcast. Oh, cool. God, sound excited. Coming back on. Coming on your back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks again to Blake. That was awesome. I had so much fun just laughing with him. Probably going to bring him on again, uh, have some fun things uh, that we thought of after um, talking with him. Just, uh, yeah, miss the guy. Love you, bud. Thanks again. Uh, everybody else, um, again, Vegas go, uh, Raiders are on a bye this week. So I get to sit back, relax, and just watch football. I hope your fantasy teams are doing well. Mine suck. Two of them are okay. One's really bad. The Warriors League, just, you know who you are. It sucks. Anyways. Um, I'm going to keep it short like this. 
again, I'm, I'm getting my back into it, getting back into it. And I need to get more honed down, try to get my social media up. You know what I'm saying? So, um, think as usual, um, be safe, love who you are with, with your family, friends, loved ones, roommates, uh, be safe out there. It's kind of crazy still, you know, P's and Q's, you know, mask it up when you need to. Nobody, no fussing. That's what I say. Who cares? Who cares? Just who cares? And as always, come on back to the Cadillac Ranch. Here. Cow did too. Daddy didn't know what to do. The banker came by the house one day, said he's gonna take the farm away. Then mama came up with a plan. Brother and me started up a band. Sister put a sign on the roof. Daddy bought a case of 90 proof. Now we call it the Cadillac Ranch. They're parking cars in the old beef patch There's a bar in the barn and the place stays packed Till the cows come home at Cadillac Ranch Now the only thing that we raise is cane You don't need the sun or rain Just neon lights and some ice cold beer Keeps everything green around here Mama takes the cash at the door Brother and me keep them out on the floor Sister sets them up at the bar Daddy kicks back with a big cigar Now we call it the Cadillac Ranch They're parking cars in the old bee patch There's a bar in the barn and the place stays packed Till the cows come home at Cadillac Ranch The only horns around here today Are the ones up on the grill Of a genuine 59 Coupe de Ville Now we call it the Cadillac Ranch They're parking cars in the old beef patch There's a bar in the barn and the place stays packed Till the cows come home at Cadillac Ranch Now we call it the Cadillac Ranch they're parking cars in the old beef patch There's a bar in the barn and the place stays packed Till the cows come home at Cadillac Ranch All right, everybody, welcome on back to the Cadillac Ranch. I got a very important guest. He's important not because he's just blood, not because I've known him all my life. Um, it's because I am older than him, and I am better than him in any way, so I always need to make sure I can demean him at any times. So, right now... <laughs> nice I tried. I tried. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is Blake Stark, my cousin. Uh, I want to tell you about him a little bit before we get into this. Um, uh, I'm going to fucking stop that. That was 